You may be seated. Preaching on the words of Matthew 12 today, read as our Bible message. One of the closest relationships between humans on this planet has to be the relationship of mothers and children. I mean, that little tyke is in mommy's tummy for nine months, and then the birth process itself is enough to bond them together. I mean, they're physically bonded, really, um, until that umbilical cord is cut. And even once that's cut, mommy and, and child are so close. You think of the nativity scenes of Jesus and his mother Mary, and how they just show that intimacy and that closeness. And that's not, we don't have to imagine that, right? That's so real between a mother and her child. Um, the little tyke grows a little bit, and... Uh, uh, you know, maybe he's 12 years old or so, 10, and, and gets lost in the big Supra Walmart uh, out shopping with mom, and it's just terror. She's just, uh, where's my child? And the child, at some point, maybe not right away, is wondering, where's, where's my mom, too? Uh, remember we saw little Hunter Timmerman after a children's message here last week or the week before, looking for his mommy and his daddy, right? So that bond between mothers and children, parents and children is so tight. Uh, when they're little, the kids will fall down and scrape their knee. And who do they run to? To kiss their boo-boo? Mommy. Dad's going to say, tough it out, right? But mom kisses the boo-boo, makes it better. Uh, Mary experienced that pain with Jesus too, except she couldn't kiss it away because she remembered the words of Simeon who said, a sword will pierce your own soul. And she knew his mission. His mission was to come and to die. She felt that pain that a mother feels when her child is hurt. And she felt it ultimately when Jesus was crucified. So there's that close, intimate relationship that mothers and children have, so bonded, so tight. If there's a secondary relationship, Besides mothers and children, it would have to be siblings, brothers and sisters, right? There is such a close relationship between brothers and sisters. Here are some siblings for your entertainment that you're looking at this picture here. This is uh, my two sisters and I standing in front of our 1970s wall. And uh, we're, we're close, brothers and sisters. Uh, brothers and sisters, who else, who else would, you, would you be proud of a picture of? of what you're in the bathtub with, right? Everyone has one of those pictures of you and your sibling or siblings in the bathtub together, right? We all have those. You don't take those pictures with anyone else. That's your siblings. That's how close brothers and sisters are. Jesus had brothers and sisters. He not only had a mother, Mary, but the Bible says that Jesus had brothers and sisters. So this is from uh, next chapter uh, in Matthew. Matthew 13 says this, that he had a brother, James... James became the chief elder in the church in Jerusalem and wrote the Bible book of James. That's Jesus' brother. And a brother named Joseph, named after his father, maybe, Joseph, and then Simon and Judas, also called Jude, who also wrote the Bible book we know as Jude. These are real people in the Bible who are Jesus' real family. So because it was Jesus' family... Did Jesus have a perfect family? Did all his brothers and sisters make all the perfect decisions about friends and school and sex? Did they, did they obey mom and dad perfectly? Was this, was this a perfect family? Far from it. As a matter of fact... After the appearance of Mary and Joseph in the temple, 
that we studied here on a Sunday. We studied that, that story. After that appearance, Joseph disappears from the Bible. We do not hear of him again in the Gospels, in the, in the narratives about Jesus' life and his death. Joseph is not mentioned in any of the epistles in the Bible, any of Paul's letters, in the rest of the New Testament, gone. We assume he died, which left Mary as a widow and which left Jesus fatherless. According to Jewish custom, um, if we look at Jesus' crucifixion, according to Jewish custom, it would have been his father, Joseph, who was responsible to find the body of Jesus and to care for it. And we do not find his father, Joseph, there. We find another Joseph, a di totally different man named Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph disappears from the Bible and, and left that family, um, probably not by his own choice. And then... There's this verse in Mark chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can look there because uh, you're going to think, you may not believe this, but it's Mark chapter 3, verse 21. And apparently his family, Jesus' family, wasn't quite on board with his career path and his decisions and, and on board with him being the savior of the world. Because here's what it says in Mark three twenty-one: His family said, he is out of his mind. Now, it's one thing to have, you know, your crazy Uncle Stu, who sometimes thinks he's President Eisenhower, you know, and he's just like the, the crazy uncle in the family. But, but this is Jesus, this is a son of God, and he's here to save the planet. And you're telling him he's, he's nuts? And you're telling him that he's out of his mind, that he's crazy? How that had to hurt Jesus? That his family, and, and who knows who of his family this was, whether it was his mother, whether it was his brothers or sisters or cousins, who, someone in his family told him that he was just plain crazy if he wanted to be the savior of the world. And that had to hurt because we need our family to support us in our career decisions and Jesus didn't have that there. And it got worse. This is from John chapter 7. In verses 1 through 5 in John chapter 7, it, it talks about Jesus, some interaction with his family, with his brothers and sisters. And here's what it says in verse 5. His own brothers did not believe in him. Ouch. Not only did they not support him, but they didn't want him as their savior. You can see if that was some person on the other side of the world, some, some, right? Some person Jesus had never met, but his own brothers. Jesus did not have the perfect family. Do you? Your family might sound in some ways like Jesus' family. And mine too. Now God created the family to be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate safe place the ultimate place for nurture in our spiritual, our emotional, and our physical welfare. There's no better place to nurture that than the family. There are some sideshows that help, like school, like church, okay? Like, like sending your kids out with friends. We learn things and experience. But there's no better place than the family to nurture that environment. Now, here's the problem. 
We experience pain and distance even in our own families, just like Jesus did. We experience physical pain and distance. There are some families here in our church where the mom or the dad works out of town, and some of them hours and hours away from their home for multiple days during the week all the time. That creates the pain of separation and struggle of distance. Maybe some of you have moved away from your families. Okay, a few years ago, three years ago, my wife and I moved here. We both left our parents and our two sons in Wisconsin, and we moved here to Texas. That's not easy. So there's pain and separation in a physical way in families. There's pain and separation oftentimes in an emotional way in families. There's emotional different, uh, uh, distance. That can be just a, a terrible and intense pain. And it could also come and rise to the top, especially during special times like holidays. Emotional distance in families. And then there's, there's that spiritual distance as well too, that spiritual pain and distance. Maybe you have grown children. <coughs> Who, don't, who say they don't believe in Jesus anymore. Maybe you have a spouse who doesn't share your faith. Th- that's hard. It's not perfection that we're looking for in families. Uh, and then, on top of all that, everything I just said, not so much the nuclear family, but our church family. Is this the perfect church? Close but not quite, right? We experience pain and distance in our church family, too. We really do, and that's okay. They all do. You're not going to find the perfect church anyway, anywhere, uh, but, but we experience that. Maybe it's Facebook drama between the people who are members of the same church. Why would he say that? How did she comment in that way, right? Uh, maybe it's a, the pain of misunderstanding or miscommunication. Oftentimes, church members feel uncared for or unlistened to by their own pastors and by their leadership. And that's very possible and even likely, even in this church. So we experience pain and separation and distance even in our church family. Here's the worst kind of pain. The worst kind of pain in your heart is not the pain that others have caused you, or the distance from others because of them, but it's the pain that you have that you've caused by your own sinful thoughts and behavior, and the distance that you've caused by your own sinful thoughts and behavior. That can happen in a family uh, spiritually, right? By, By someone deciding in that family, I'm done with church. I'm done with with Christianity. I'm done with Jesus. Um, that, that hurts. Or, or a lack of understanding. There's emotional distance and pain in a marriage that can be caused by one spouse who is hypercritical. Or maybe one spouse who's, uh, who's, who builds up walls and doesn't want to get too close. An emotional distance in the family. See, So there's ways that we cause that and that's what hurts the most. There is a, uh, there's a classic Christmas movie about pain and separation in families, right? 1990, Home Alone. 
where Kevin McAllister is this little boy. You're all nodding, so I don't have to explain the drama right in the storyline, right? He, he makes this wish that, that he were alone without his family, and then amazingly, they take off to Paris, they forget about him, and he's there in his own home, and he's alone over Christmas. And boy, does he have a riot, doesn't he? Boy, he has a good time. But eventually, how does he feel about that? Eventually, he realizes how terribly he misses his family, even his idiot brother, right? How much he misses his family, and they reunite at the end, and it's all happy. Through our pain and separation, through some of the examples I've given and, and the reality here and the, the examples of Jesus' family, right? Don't, don't you and I finally get to the point where we say, it hurts to be distant from my family, I want to be closer to them. And maybe, just maybe, we've tried and we haven't been successful. We haven't been able to reconcile in any of those ways. Well, then we have some good news from this event in Jesus' ministry today. Uh, Some very good news from Jesus about you and about your family. And it begins with this thought. Your place in your earthly family... Okay, is not always how you feel and not always what others say it is. So, sometimes you can feel like maybe you're the youngest child and, uh, and you just get all the hand-me-downs and you just feel second class. Maybe you're an older child and mom and dad treat the youngest kid like, like, just like the baby and they give pre- preferential treatment. Maybe you feel like your wife doesn't give you enough attention. And maybe you feel like your husband doesn't carry his weight in the home. All these feelings that we have that create distance in our, in our families, that it's not necessarily true. There's something more true than that. Or it can be what you're told. For your role is in the family. Maybe you're, you've been told from little on, Too bad you're not as smart as your sister. That creates an identity crisis. You know, if you were half the athlete that your brother was, right, so sometimes we're told what really isn't truly our identity in our family. So we need to realize that, that, uh, that those are things that are told to us or that we sometimes feel that are not necessarily true. And Jesus overcomes them today in this story by his description of what his family is and, and what his contribution is to it. So everything that I've just said in it that hurts in our lack of family relationships, the pain and the distance... Jesus experienced. Jesus experienced it in his horizontal relationships with his families. I mentioned those earlier. Pain and distance. But think about this. Jesus chose pain and distance. Not just horizontally, but Jesus chose pain and distance in his relationship with his heavenly Father. When his heavenly Father sent him to, his, to this planet, Jesus experienced the pain of separation from his Father. And ultimately on the cross, remember what he said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
that experience of pain and separation that, that is, belongs to Jesus is something you have never experienced to that intensity of that degree. And it is meant to save you from your pain and your distance in your relationships, especially the pain and distance that you've caused in your families, but also the pain and distance that hurts you because of others. That, that does not count as much as Jesus coming to this planet to save you and enduring ultimate pain and separation that he endured with his Father. So, let's look at Jesus' words now in this, uh, in this Matthew chapter, chapter 11. In Jesus' words, what does Jesus say? When Jesus goes looking for his family, where does he look? Here. Here. When Jesus looks for close, intimate relationships, which is what families are, Jesus looks, in the story, he says he looks at his followers, his disciples, that's you. And Jesus came here. He came to shepherd boys and men who were lonely for their families because they were working in the fields even all night long. He came to a mother who wasn't sure about the future of her son, Jesus, and needed to figure this out in ways that it wasn't immediately told to her in a way that she understood. She had to figure out her mission and her sons. Jesus came to a father, his father Joseph, and interrupted Joseph's world so that he had to it just interrupt him playing with his toys and with his boys. And that can be hard for men. But Jesus is here. He came. He came to make you part of his family. A close connection. Secondly, who can be, when, when Jesus looks to someone who can be very close to him, all right, who can be very, very close to Jesus, he gives us that answer. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The will of Jesus' Father in heaven for you is for you to hear his word, to believe it, and just to say, I, I love what Jesus says. He's so encouraging. His words are so promising. I need him. I love it, and, and I want to do what he says. That's doing the will. It, it's not being perfect, but it's hearing the words of Scripture and saying, I like those words. It's being attracted to them and being attracted to Jesus. Jesus says, anyone, whoever is that way, it, this, does not, this is wide open, isn't it? There's, there's no exception. There's anyone who fits that description. You can be big or small. You can be white or black. You can be here or there. You can be a new Christian or an old Christian. You can be a baby. You can be an adult. Anyone who has that relationship with our Father in heaven by faith is, Jesus says, my brother, my sister, my mother. He's not necessarily rebuking his family here and saying that they're not his family anymore. He's not doing that. But he is drawing you in and drawing you close and letting you know how close he wants to be to you as his brother, as his sister. There are, there are relationships, according to the Bible, 
that are actually stronger than physical blood relationships of family. One of them is the marital relationship. The Bible says that your relationship with your spouse, your marriage relationship, trumps and supersedes your relationship with your parents. Your blood relationship with your family is not as strong as your marriage relationship with your spouse. There's another relationship that can trump blood relationships, and that's a spiritual relationship we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. There are bonds that are formed in those relationships that last beyond this world, where blood relationships end and last into eternity. Experience the blessing of those spiritual relationships, those spiritual connections. Um, I'll throw a picture up here, and I want you to see an example of one. This is uh, the first newcomers class we had here at Holy Word after we had our opening service here. And this is the Plums and the Portnoys and the Bakers. And uh, meeting every Thursday night in the Plums kitchen and dining room. Those two rooms have something in common, don't they? Food, we had, that. We had a lot of that and loved it. And the relationships that were formed beginning in that class formed um, the basis for their connect group that formed and became so close. And because of the relationships in that connect group, our bonds of a spiritual relationship that last longer than death. And that give a blessing and a joy and an encouragement that even an earthly relationship can't. It was interesting, um, I don't know how long ago was it, I, four or five months ago in a sermon, I gave you the six characteristics of, of people who are in, totally engaged in their church, successful church membership, and I asked you, which one is most important to you? The number one answer in your responses on the connection cards as I looked at them, the number one answer was, I want to be inviting more friends to church. The number, which is good, glad for that. Number two answer was... I want to get to know six other people at my church more. I want to get to know my spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ better. And there's opportunities to do that here, especially in our connect groups. That's what Jesus means when he says, Here, here are my brothers, my sisters, my mother. Because we are all so close to Jesus, we are close to each other too. And for Jesus to call us that, we, in our relationships in this, on this planet, we use familial words, words of family, when we want to indicate how close we are to someone. Come on, sister, let's go shopping. Ooh, that's, that's tight. Wow, she's, she's in your inner circle if you call her sister and she's not really your blood sister. Right? I, I was going to the gym uh, just yesterday. Oh, I held the door for a guy who had two bags. He was going in. He, I held the door for him. He's walking in and he says, Yo, thanks, bro. I was in. I was in his inner circle. Right? We're, we're buddies because he said, Bro. We use those terms. You're like a dad to me. Right? Mom and dad might say to, to your friend, You know, you're like a son to us. That means, wow, you're so tight. Jesus says that about you. 
Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we can feel so distant and we feel that way because by our sins we are that way on our own. Forgive us for looking to other things to to fill that hole in our hearts when we are lonely, when we are fearful, when we wonder if we can be forgiven. And come close to us like you came near to us when you were born in this world. Come close again through your word, through your promises, through your presence. Fill that hole so that it's a home, a home and a family that we have with you. Give us a new appreciation for you and your closeness to us. Your God with us, Emmanuel, so that this Christmas we realize in a new way how close we are always to you. And let that confidence and that faith and that joy reflect out of us as we seek closer relationships with others as well. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these and all things. Amen.